Hello and welcome back to Flip the Switch, which is the podcast dedicated to the multifaceted and multi-talented. And today we're joined by Vanessa Maria. Yo, 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 yo. <laughs> how you doing? You all right? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm so happy that you're here. We're going to dive straight in. I'm going to ask you the question of what do you do? Perfect. First question. <laughs> the hardest first question. The hardest one. Hello, hello. My name is Vanessa Maria and I'm a DJ, I'm a host and broadcaster and my work sits within music and mental health, whether that's in a podcast form, documentary form, radio show, campaign, a workshop, everything in between. So many different mediums, basically, (laughs) which I love. I think what I want to do is just go back to the beginning and just understand a little bit more about where those inspirations kind of came from. And like, do you know that early testing phase of like when you're figuring out what you want to do? So can you tell me a little bit more about that career journey? Yeah, of course. I feel like the early testing phase is something that I actually implement throughout my life, even Mm. to this day. Like I'm always testing. I think my why stays the same, but then my how and my what sort of changes mm-hmm. um so I would say that so in, in case anyone's listening like you just know what you want to do is that it's always changing but I would say early career was a lot more confusion <laughs> I'd say I'm, <laughs> I never know what I'm doing but I think early career was a lot of confusion I studied psychology at the University of Bristol and that was when I first sort of came across entertainment mm-hmm. in the form of radio Radar Radio at the time, Snoochie Shy. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Um, but I was very much like academic. Yeah. And I think that introduction like was like a massive release from the pressure of university. And I really enjoyed like listening into radio. Um, and from that, I kind of like stumbled into like my university radio. Um, and very quickly on, I went onto like the BBC and then Sony and mm-hmm. then freelance. But basically that was the start. I think finding... Um, pirate radio and falling in love with like music and like presenting in your authentic voice it was so great like find amazing djs out of the woodworks that were up and coming from pirate radio yeah and like radio for you has been a big part of your career yeah from day basically yeah i've really enjoyed it like i've always i've always enjoyed um how free you could be especially on like a like an fm station um or just an online station where there's like less restrictions mm-hmm. and you can like just do your own thing. And yeah. I really like that. But that's the difference with commercial, yeah. isn't yeah. it? Like commercial is stricter, but in, I guess you reach more people. It's such a balance, right? Exactly. And you've done a real mix of that, which is amazing across the career. And then in terms of DJing as well, that also came um, at uni, right? Yeah, it came a little bit later on. So it came towards the end of mm-hmm. university and I started working at my uni as a, a mental health representative. Mm-hmm. But the janitor at the time was a bad boy vinyl DJ ah. and Andrew, big up Andrew. Oh, love him. <laughs> so like, you know, our universities have like DJ societies, yeah, that yeah, sort of yeah. thing. Um, and he was just like, listen, I saw him and we just started talking about music. And I was just like, oh, I really want to learn how to DJ. And he was like, what? Like, I've got the keys to the, everything. <laughs> He's like, I'll set it up in my lunch break. Yeah. And like, you can, I'll teach you how to DJ and like use the DJ sock equipment oh and God, I love it. sort of thing so then yeah I was I was meant to be in like meetings and stuff but I'd just be like in a cupboard with Andrew like DJ <laughs> instead of being able to do a lecture yeah yeah I would I, I can't lie I, I'm, and I, would, I can say this like very like firmly now I've never done any of my full-time jobs properly like, yeah and I honestly think that's why I've like managed to thrive. yeah it's the passions though yeah, right that yeah. you just like you want to do it and like do you know when you love something that's all you think about yeah. and like you just can't switch it off and was music always that one thing that you just absolutely loved and leaned into? 
I think I've, I've loved, I, lo- I love so many things. Mm-hmm. And I think I've just always been, I think my biggest passion is just doing stuff on my own accord. Yeah, okay. So working full time, I've always seen it as a paycheck to do my own thing, which is, I know it's like probably just not the right mindset. Because yeah. I think there's so many, like, I don't know, like Stephen Bartlett on Diary of the CEO always talks about like A and B players in the workplace. And that is not me. Yeah, and which yeah. I was, I found out very quickly that I am that person who is my own boss and that's where I like thrive because I just wasn't I don't like people telling me what to do yeah yeah fair enough <laughs> so when it came to things like BBC and Sony Music I feel like they are things that we sometimes aspire to do as well like they're big names and you found out that maybe it wasn't for you and actually you wanted to be like and work for yourself tell me more about that experience because sometimes the journey and like realizing it isn't as good when we get there yeah, definitely. I, I think it started earlier when I was a mental health representative at the University of Bristol. I, I just realized that the rigid structure was just not for me and I couldn't express myself like mm-hmm. creatively. Also probably to do with like burnout with the, the role that I was in. It was mm-hmm. like very heavy on like mental health. Mm-hmm. And at the time there was a lot of um, student suicides actually at the university. Oh, really? Okay. So I was getting like har- harassed by the Um, which was really difficult it was like one of the most difficult jobs I've ever done Mm. Um, because the university at that in the year that I was doing that role was um, they were in like the Guardian the Times I had people DMing me trying to call me Mm -hmm. to ask for statements and I was fresh out of university like what is going on Um, and students would like message me like like very vulnerable things Mm -hmm. and it was like extremely overwhelming so I think from then I was like oh I want to take a little step back yeah, yeah. and and like you have to protect yourself yeah, in exactly. a way and your energy so then the mental health side and like um looking after others as well because I feel like that's a big impact for you like you want to help other people yeah did that start then back at university or something was that earlier so I think probably universities when I start well I studied psychology at uni so oh, yeah. I was everyone was in that course we were already learning about like the minds mm-hmm. and just the foundations for me I was I felt like I was learning about the foundations of life and just like what is needed in order to thrive like whether that's attachments and um, I remember taking a course in like love and I had an amazing lecturer Angela Rowe who spoke a lot about the need for secure attachments in Mm. life and um, that made a massive impact on me actually I remember that and I think and I remember thinking okay like if I can have secure attachments yeah. and like great connections and like friends and family then I can go on to like have a thriving career and I can mm-hmm. achieve everything that I want to do so I feel like from very early I was already thinking about the internal world that I'm creating for myself as a, as well as the external mm-hmm. um, and I think from then I've always been like very interested in like psychology and how specifically how it can be used to achieve. I think that yeah, was like yeah. the main, yeah. That's amazing because it's yeah. like harnessing that knowledge yeah. to like thrive and, and do well in your career is yeah. so important. And like it always goes back to like the psychological techniques and yeah. like how we can kind of get rid of that self-talk and that inner critic yeah. and then turn it into something great, which 100%. is amazing. The power of the mind is incredible. Can you take me back though to... The time when, okay, you tested around, like you played around a little bit. Like, how did you define, like, what you wanted in a, in a career? I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to be in entertainment. I wanted to, like, yeah. present and that sort of thing. I had a very limited idea of, like, how the industry works. I didn't know anyone in music entertainment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, like, in, I was in Bristol as well, so I wasn't in London. And I was like, oh, damn, um... 
I I just I kind of had reference points from social media as like most young people probably did at the time and now so I think that was like my only point of call for like what my career wanted to look like I was like I guess I need to do that because mm-hmm. I don't know since you shy did that or yeah, yeah, blah, yeah. I didn't really understand like the back, behind the scenes and what it means to have stability as mm-hmm. a freelancer in that space mm-hmm. and like how to carve like a brand that is like authentic especially in the beginning because I remember doing like all these things and I was like mm, I don't know if this is like serving me mm-hmm. like I, like whether it was uh, like brand stuff or it was like a certain style of like genre of music that I was DJing so it took a while for me to like figure out what it what it is that that makes me me and what I enjoy and mm-hmm. how I can bring like my own twist to it um, but yeah, at the beginning, I was just, I was a drill DJ. I actually loved you oh, at the time. I love that. I okay. love that. I'm a low key. I'm a bit, I miss it. I miss it. All my friends are like, yo, what's happened? <laughs> I started baseline. So I was like, I look back, I'm like, okay, interesting. <laughs> so but that was directly, if anyone knows, Snoochie is like, um, she yeah, yeah, was yeah. just like banging drill. And I think I always look back and I'm like, that was a massive inspiration. Um, but yeah, I started off in drill. Like I was just like very... Like, yeah, my old shows, I think, on 1020 Radio at the time in Bristol on my days. It was oh, just, yeah? like, so funny, yeah. I think I was just... <laughs> I hope you still got the recordings of that. I do, <laughs> yeah, somewhere I do, yeah. Just a lot, it's really jokes. <laughs> yeah. So radio, like, you really developed your love and you, like, interviewed a lot of people as well. Yeah. Tell me about some of the big moments because I know there are a few big moments of presenting. Yeah. And, like, from early, really early stage as well, which is amazing. Yeah, I think one of the biggest moments, probably still, still now, is like a career highlight is interviewing David Attenborough. Yeah, that wild. was like amazing. <laughs> that was just pure luck because I was I made good friends with my vice chancellor because mm. I was working at the university. Mm-hmm. So I was already like in that space yeah. with HR. And if, if anyone was a sabbatical officer, you'd know that your main job is basically like trying to convince the senior team to take the student body into consideration for every decision you're making. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was having lots of like meetings with him. And one day he was just like, oh, we've got this like award ceremony coming up. Like David, old friend. I was like, all right, David, old friend. I was like, love that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which you talking <laughs> You're like, wow. Yeah. So he was like, yeah, I'd love you to like interview him. Yeah, and yeah. I think at the time I was like, yeah, this is big. I didn't really realize until now. I'm like, oh, that was actually, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty huge. That was big. Yeah, that's really big. How so, was it though? Like, it was amazing. It surreal? Yeah, I feel like I was a, a little bit just concerned about like my dress. I thought <laughs> like, I wore like a very revealing um, glitter red like gown. Oh, and it was like, it was like a, the V was like all the way down to like my belly button. <laughs> yeah. And like when I, so when I sat down, it was like, do you know oh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I was just there, like David Attenborough. I'm like, oh my god! Like I was like, oh why did I? Why did I do this? It's really showing up though, red, yeah. red, like. Oh, but he big. was loving yeah, it. Yeah, he was rated that. He was like, you look rash, like dashing. What do you say? No, ravishing or something. And I was like, oh, oh thanks. <laughs> I was like, thanks, but yeah. So it was a really, it was an amazing opportunity because he just speaks with so much like grandiose mm, and just mm-hmm. wisdom. Uh, I did get the brief a little bit wrong. Though I, I was at the time, I thought it was a 15 minute interview. Um, but actually what the producer was saying was that we will clip down the clips to 15 minutes. So oh. after like 30 minutes, I was like, oh, well, we need to be wrapped up. Because yeah. everyone's like, David, you know what I mean? The security <laughs> and stuff. So I'm thinking, need to keep on time. And then I was like, yeah, that's sort of done. Manager came in swiftly, took him away. And the producer was like, um... Yeah, no, like we had like an hour. Oh my God. <laughs> but we were just trying to clip down to 15. I was like, but he was already, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, I was like, 
Like to anima- be fair though, that's like it's good. You did like short and sweet, and sometimes yeah. do you know when it carries on for too long, then you can lose the meaning. Yeah, but like but it was you got in a good conversation then for fifteen. Yeah, it, it was. I mean, it was just so funny. I was like twenty. I didn't know what was going on. I was just like, I got my pick with David. Yeah, that's exactly. what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, Career yeah. highlight. Yeah, Darn it, I got my little one on one. Like wild. that's it. But I did like looking back now. I'm like, oh, that's so funny. I was just. Um, yeah, I was somewhere else with the yeah. fairies. But. but it's great though, because it's like, you learn as you go, don't yeah. you? Like presenting, DJing. Sometimes those things, like you get a bit flustered in the moment or whatever, like it helps you yeah. for the next time. Yes. How have you learned to kind of like hone your craft in a way? Because I feel like, especially now, like we're seeing it's so much saturation, mm-hmm. um, especially with DJing mm-hmm. and also presenting even like TikTokers. Mm-hmm. And it's like a lot more accessible mm-hmm. to get in, um, whether it be radio, um, or whatever Mm -hmm. how have you found to kind of hone that craft and also lean into your personal brand Mm -hmm. I think the main thing is understanding what your that vision is like knowing yourself I think that's Mm -hmm. like comes down to it really and like understanding where you want to go and you need to to understand where you want to go you need to know where you're at and accept where you're at as well I think for a long time my period in my career for a long period up I really wanted to be somewhere else. Like I always wanted to be like over there. So then it was hard for me to like move forward because I couldn't accept that in order to like get there, I had to be like, okay, where's my A to yeah. get to B? Mm-hmm. I was just like, where's B, where's B, where's B? You know? <laughs> Running. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, bro, like if someone tells you to turn left, but you don't even know where you're starting, you're obviously going to get lost. Yeah. So I think accepting where you're at, knowing your A, your a point, understanding your vision um, and being very mindful about like what you want to do yeah as opposed to what other people are doing like ultimately it's your life and it's your career and you want to be talking from a point of like passion Mm -hmm. from a point of knowledge um and also from from a from a perspective where like you actually are enjoying that process and you're not thinking oh gosh this is a bit long or like you're you're actually researching in those the areas that you want to exist in because that's something that is meaningful to you and I think mm. it comes across for people especially for DJing it comes it definitely shines through for like different genres like people who are like 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 Nia and like jungle like she's a junglist like yeah. it's like through and through like you can't deny that and yeah. she was going to to raves at a mm. very young age and she's been part of that scene um so I think you just have to find that what what it is for you mm. um it's like doing the inner work though isn't it yeah and I feel like we are quick to just be like well, they've done that and then they've done that. I just want to get there yeah. and like jump to that moment. But actually like the best part is the journey yeah, and like yeah. the growth that you, are, like the things going wrong that, yeah, 100%. you know, like, cause you can't control everything. Can no. You? no. Yeah, you really can't. No. And actually like, I really enjoy that when things have just like a bit of a challenge, like something's not working when you arrive to DJ and you're yeah, like, yeah. All right, okay. Like we've got, we got, we've got to like keep our cool here. And like times, do you know like when your USB doesn't work? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like glad I brought that second one. Like it's all Absolutely. about like those moments that define you. So I think it's time to flip the switch. Are you ready? Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. When it comes to founding Don't Keep Hush as well, I'd love you f- for you to talk a bit, little bit more about that and the reasons why and inspirations why you started it. Yeah, of course. I can't take credit for founding. It was co-founding. Fred. Yeah, co-founding. co-founding. No, I, 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 yeah, Fred Conybear, who runs Keep Hush, um, is the founder and he's done an amazing job, I guess, starting that project and mm-hmm. and visualising like where it's going to go. Um, but I think the main 
premise of Don't Keep Harsh is to talk about mental health through music and for the community that often is most affected, like in terms yeah. of their well-being, but mm. often there isn't spaces for us to really like discuss outside of traditional smoking areas and clubs. Yeah. I think that's the classic where people start talking, you're connecting. Um, and it's like, why, why are we not having those <laughs> conversations outside of those spaces? Yeah, so, um, so I think that was like the main thing. And also from um, both of our personal like struggles and like talking with other artists, musicians, promoters, music industry professionals who are all seemingly feeling the same, but are feeling mm-hmm. quite isolated in that crisis. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a point of our point where we were like, why are we all struggling silently when we can just come together and like, have more of a sense of community and hold space for each other yeah. when we all relate, do you know what I mean? So yeah, it's like you're all sense. thinking the same thing, but not talking about yeah. it. And there's a massive like impact on like group work. And like, yeah. sometimes you have the answers, but you need someone to reflect those back to you in order to find them internally. Mm-hmm. So I think there's so much strength in vulnerability when it comes to like connecting with others in a in a very like transparent way Mm. that's that's what I found anyway yeah definitely I'd have times where a lot of things going on that I couldn't speak up about Mm -hmm. whereas now I feel a bit more comfortable Mm -hmm. to speak up about experiences I feel like people are more inclined to share like their struggles Mm. on an individual basis but I I would say that from when I started the main difference that I've seen is that certain health mental health conditions have become acceptable and okay. some still don't feel as acceptable to speak about for example depression and anxiety mm-hmm. are things that people are very or more comfortable in like discussing and it feels mm-hmm. like oh that's like palatable mental health uh, right, as okay. opposed to like schizophrenia or mm-hmm. some other like more severe conditions or um mental health conditions that maybe like we don't have the language to discuss so I feel like people often well I can't speak for everyone but I've noticed in the messaging from platforms and just from the conversations I've had from people at organizations is a few years ago there was a massive push to like normalize and have those conversations and I think that's been achieved yeah but in terms of like the depth of those conversations I I think I'm not sure um I think the label of mental health conditions like oh I'm struggling with depression make it easier for people to skip the depth of the vulnerability or like depth of the experience that Mm. of suffering for example saying that you're depressed is easier than saying that I wanted to commit suicide yesterday yeah Mm -hmm. um so uh, so as much as like it's a as you can see it's a very complex discussion Mm -hmm. but I feel like having labels is so helpful at one hand and then also unhelpful in the sense of like Mm. using a brush to like cover like what the actual experience is for an individual and I've noticed that in my own journey where I can be like oh I'm feeling a little bit depressed today but I I, I would find it like hard to speak to someone to say like oh you know I don't want to I don't really want to feel like living like right now you know like there's certain how comfortable comfortable. voicing it basically but often it's like the actual experience and like the specific like behavior or like specific thoughts and the mm. specific like the specific specific I can't even yeah. say that word but you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that element you. of your experience is what creates vulnerability and mm. it is what facilitates and gives permission to people to speak and to feel comfortable and to feel like oh we're relating and also for mental health professionals to understand like what exactly you're going through mm-hmm. because 
like massive label often massive labels often don't get to the crux of like what the what the issue is yeah um yeah. and because they've become so normalized oh yeah a little bit of depression a little bit of anxiety it's like some people who are suffering with clinical diagnosis um diagnoses of those conditions it affects their day-to-day yeah as opposed to just like a mood that you're like oh i'm feeling a little bit mm-hmm. depressed and i think we've mm-hmm. we've interchanged those those words a little bit carelessly at the moment yeah yeah and it is yeah, yeah in a way it can be thrown away yeah. thrown around a little bit more because people understand it sometimes yes. it's like the understanding of if someone feels like they can tell you that and then have you found that in your journey of like you have have to be more open than sometimes you want to because you want to be a like the mental health like advocate in a way and like practice what you preach as well because I guess social mm. media is like a big format as well now and like there's this like blurring of line of like who we have to be like digital self versus like true self as well I hear that do you know what that's interesting I think those thoughts have crossed my mind but I think with with my platform I I just honestly I just say however I want to say it yeah and I don't feel pressure to like talk about anything um that's good because I do a lot of the work that I do is like behind the scenes like Mm. whether it's like consultation or whether it's like I don't know working with like help musicians or like an organization um and that's where most of my mental health work goes in so like with social media platform like I'm always a little bit like if there's something that I do want to talk about I'll say it but ultimately like it is such a like distorted yeah sense of reality and like I'm so aware of that so yeah you don't feel that pressure of like responsibility in a way oh no yeah I've hardly ever on socials I think people (laughs) yeah honestly I check it like once every two days oh great yeah I'll post and then like it's like a healthy relationship as well yeah I'm really like I'm not people always like oh what what that thing that I'm like I have when it comes to I don't know what's going on (laughs) I have no idea what's happening in anyone else's like I'm just like doing my it's like tunnel vision and I think it's good though because you need to with like the importance of social as well but also like not letting it affect you yeah you have been really great on social media I feel like there's so many moments that I've like followed you like there was this video that you did of like when the drop doesn't hit oh yeah and I just like love that because like it's honest yeah um, yeah that's we need that (laughs) I think that's the most I think that's what I mean about um maybe not I don't really like strategically think about do you know what I mean like what like I saw the video I was like oh yeah it didn't hit like do you know what I mean oh yeah I'm just gonna post post that that. yeah it is very in the moment type thing or if I'm if there's like an experience that I'm like okay I do want to share this I'll just yeah I'll share it and if I don't I I don't so yeah I think that's how I navigate it I see like I guess what I'm trying to say is that my advocacy work is the work that people won't see Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. unless they're like in certain spaces um so I'm always hesitant about like calling myself I know people often put mental health advocate on my bio when I speak at things but I'm always hesitant because I'm I'm not I don't want the front-facing um space to be like an advocacy I work I want the work itself with organizations to be the advocacy work if that makes sense yeah I don't want like the personality to be an advocate because everyone's life is up and down anyway Mm -hmm. it's like the transient nature of human existence (laughs) it's like and everyone has their experience with 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 well-being and I'm I'm so happy to be open about that Mm. but it's something that I think I want my work to speak for yeah you let the work speak for itself yeah and the good things because I feel like when you live a life of like 
living up to your purpose yeah. like people see it yeah and like they want to be involved and like everything that you do is is very impact driven how does that feel like looking back like did, was it something that you always wanted to do like in a way like music and mental health is yeah. not something that you necessarily put together like as a yeah. niche in a way yeah. but it's just like an amazing thing because I do think the music industry needs just in general spreading spreading positive energy mm. and helping others is so important yeah do you know what I think it's just my background in mental health I've always been yeah. thinking about it and then when I went into like big corporations like BBC and Sony, I and actually when I started DJing, I was like, oh, um, it, it was a, an escape for me from mental health work because oh, I was so yeah. burnt out. And then when I was in those spaces, I was like, oh my gosh, like where's the purpose? And like, mm. um, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Like I don't really want to sell someone's makeup brush, and I don't want to sell like your clothing <laughs> like I love a good I don't want to do that I, you know I, I love a trainer like yeah. send me give me a trainer but I always I remember feeling like one like when I first my first bit that I got gifted I remember thinking like is this like is this all I'm going to be doing now yeah, interesting <laughs> I kind of felt like is that it like am I just like gonna be like selling like holding it up yeah, like, yeah hi, I'm gifted. A DJ. <laughs> buy this x brand you know what I mean so I just thought okay this is not fulfilling like my purpose for, oh, okay. for me so mm. I was like what when did I feel like I was making the most impact and I was like when I was doing my mental health work mm. so then I was like okay how can I implement some of the work and like my knowledge of activism and like policy reform mm. and like structural change from like an institutional perspective and mm. like implement that into the work I'm doing as like a freelance DJ mm -hmm. so that's kind of where it came in and that's sort of like naturally how I like reached out to certain organizations because of the role I was in, I was already doing that kind of work. So it I came see. natural to me. Yeah. And I understand like what policy means. And I understand like the importance of like some of the unsexy work that people do mm -hmm. behind the cameras, which is like actually looking at what a culture is in a, in a company yeah. and thinking about how we can change certain like policies in order to like implement a better like yeah, like working, workplace, workplace yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. And like some of that work is like some of the most impactful things that you can do. And it's some of the most boring, <laughs> heavy loaded, like... It can be super taxing, can't super it? Super yeah. taxing. Like it's just so not your idea of an activist like yeah. running around um, holding up signs, which is like part of it. And I think that was the biggest lesson that I learned working for the university was that you need to be able to do both. Mm. You need to be able to have like be an activist and be visible and be outside, but you also need to be able to talk the language mm -hmm. of like reform yeah. and think about some of the, the changes that you can make that will have an impact like bef after you're gone. Yeah, um, hundred. It's, it's so true because I was in diversity and equity yeah. and inclusion work yeah. and like workshops, but also like strategy yeah. for corporate clients and some of the conversations are so heavy but yeah. they're so necessary so necessary and like you don't see any like change like straight away mm. like it can take years to yeah. see the change but you've got to do it you have to but it can actually really I found it really affected me mm. um and just the conversation sometimes can be quite triggering as well yeah. and it's like one thing I did want to talk to you about is like balancing it all yes and like learning yeah. to I guess not switch it on and off, but like also like protect yourself in a way yeah. with everything that you're doing. You have to. And I think that's why I always talk about the two sides because that is a form of balance because mm. you get very burnt out if you're outside yeah, and like you're yeah. doing, you're screaming, shouting, you're or And I guess I made that analogy also for like an online perspective. Mm -hmm. Like 
speaking about it online consistently can also be draining. Mm -hmm. Um, Just being like a front facing person in general is like hard work. So having like work that you don't need to scream and shout about is a a space that I really cherish because I'm like, okay, this is in a way it's selfish as well because I'm doing it for myself. But it's also something that I, I know that I'm doing the work yeah. and it, it feels, it feels good. And I completely hear what you're saying in terms of like the triggering element of any sort of progress in, in space, yeah. progress in space. Equity is a conversation that is difficult. And one of the things that I really like now believe, which maybe before when I was like trying to like change things, I didn't believe yeah. so much, but mm-hmm. it's this, the idea of like data mm. and how powerful data is um it sounds so unsexy yeah, though, isn't it so but unsexy. data is the best data <laughs> is so it's so important and i think data is something that is number one it's an objective yeah. so when you have a number mm-hmm. people are like okay cool they take you seriously um if you're talking to government government structures and bodies yeah. you need data and you need like shock factor sometimes yes. do you know so like i'm an investor yeah and like the amount of money is like 0.5% go to like people of color, for example. And it's just like, if you say that then to a, a a team and like a VC team, they're like, yeah, we actually really need to do something about this. Like rather than just being like, well, we need more, we need to invest in more women or whatever it is. Like you have to go in with that shock factor sometimes. And I know it's terrible, but like, that's the facts. Like you've got to speak them when, Mm. when they need to be spoken. Exactly. Completely. You get it. You know, like it's, it's so important and, and data in, in all senses, like mm. it, it's, it's so important. And it's also something that I know Jaguar does really well yeah, with yeah. the gender uh, report that came out in I think 2022 that had like a massive impact. And I think the idea of like reports and DJs like moving into that space is like so empowering. Yeah. And it's also extremely it's smart. It's like, this is the work that needs to be be done. Like you can be online and that's also a very important role and we need figures and we need, um, I guess, influencers to mm-hmm. speak about, speak on those things. And then you also need like the stats and statistics for then companies to be like, oh, like, yeah, that is, that's bad. Like, <laughs> And yeah, like the practicals, because like she has like the rider document, isn't it? Yeah. It's, like, it's like all those things, like you're literally giving it to them. Yeah. It's like, what else like you now have to like do the work in a way so then bringing like I guess everything together like what does a typical week look like for you in your life is is there one (laughs) no there isn't (laughs) so different oh my gosh but I mostly spend time at the cube which is like a members music professional space with Mm. work like it's like has you can work there and you can go into the studio so if I'm not somewhere like doing something like this or speaking I have a base yeah so that's quite nice. Yeah, like routine. <laughs> yeah, routine. Yeah. So I go there. Um, but I think every day is different. Uh, so I, if I, yeah, if I don't have any like sort of in, like engagements or whatever, I'll be in the cube, which is in, like Canary Wharf. It's really nice. And I just like work from there. Then I can like practice, go to the studio, r- studios, take my meetings um, and do my thing. But yeah, I think every, every week is it's so different. <laughs> it's just so different. It's so different know, depending on hard, what's going yeah. on. Yeah, it's hard. It is, it is hard. Um, and things just pop up. Yeah, out time. nowhere, yeah. I guess, as well. Yeah. But then has that been something that you enjoy? Like, do you enjoy, like, a planned week? Or do you yeah. like the whole surprise element, in a way? Like, the spontaneous part so, of being a DJ and being I, an artist? That's a good question. <laughs> I think I struggled a lot, especially in the last couple of years. So I went freelance, like, three years ago. I struggled a lot mm. because I didn't harness the 
power of like a daily schedule until this year where I have like a proper like daily schedule like hour is it's hour like, by hour yeah. okay and every <laughs> e- every evening I'll write out what I'm doing each hour and oh, nice obviously every day I'm never gonna hit <laughs> I'm not gonna but hit. you tried but I thought I tried. Like, yeah like you're doing well by yeah. doing that and I think that's helped me a lot because as a freelancer I just thought I can do my own thing and mm-hmm. I was like no actually having structure and creating structure for myself has been really powerful just like knowing what I'm doing even mm-hmm. if it's just like I'm going to the gym then I'm walking to the grocery store I'm like yeah. I like just knowing I what love I'm, it do you know what I'm I mean? the same I'm a color-coded oh person. I love that so it's just the best yeah and yeah. also it's okay if you don't get it yeah. done but I'm like I gave it a good go like even if yeah. like 60% got done like fine like we can wait until tomorrow for the next bit 60% you're like talking yeah. about language yeah. better. Yeah, like, it's a good it's a good base isn't it <laughs> yeah. um do you know what on this on the whole numbers and data I was gonna say I wish that was something that I wish I knew earlier on yeah. and like how important numbers are mm-hmm. in 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 a degree because when I say data yeah I talk about like activism mm-hmm. but also data in terms of like okay um what what like social media and like how the percentage of like engagement and just mm-hmm. understanding that language um not not as a pressure point but more so as a way uh, for you to understand what your leverage is in certain spaces because these are being on understanding that music business understanding the business side of things is going to help you and business a lot is driven by data so being clued up on that I wish I knew that earlier instead of just being like oh everyone's just like (laughs) running about doing their own thing and like yeah some people are but a lot of the time people are very strategic you want to be creative (laughs) Um, but then also yeah you've got you've got to be strategic people are so strategic and it's not just, it's not like an individual thing, but a lot of people have like massive teams behind them. Mm. So you need to, if you don't have a team like myself, then you need to understand, okay, like there is going to be someone who is looking at those mm. spaces um, and like really ha- harnessing next strategy. Yeah, exactly. And the quicker you can speak the language of a corporate client who might be giving you the biggest fee of your life, the sooner you will probably be able to like start really elevating and creating the spaces that you want to see and be in because it's like a fine line of being a creative and also being a business owner Mm. yeah and like speaking of strategy then and like this Mm. is I feel like a really good place to end on if there are like people listening in terms of like building that up and building Mm. up a career a fulfilling meaningful career whether that be in music uh, activism or whatever that is Mm. like what are your tips for like building that personal brand yeah I would say Echoing what I said before, understanding your vision mm-hmm. um, and understanding where you want to be. The next thing I think is really powerful is asking who, not how. Don't ask yourself how you're going to do a million things because, as you said, like number one, it's taxing to be mm-hmm. a content creator, a musician, a social media manager, an agent. Who can do the work at a better level than you, and who can you bring in, and what your resources are? So, number one, accept where you're at, and then ask who you can bring in. Um, and sometimes at the beginning, that's your friends. Mm. Your friend might have an interest in video production. Your friend might be interested in business. You, you might have friends that you didn't think could be helpful for your crave career. But actually, if someone's like working in in finance or someone's in a corporate space, they understand like structure. They understand um, conversations that clients who you might want to work with in a creative way that own brands. Um, would be extremely valuable Mm. so asking who is probably the biggest thing I can say that's like helped me Um, because you can't do everything yourself and there is someone who's smarter better more talented in absolutely every area 
um, and you want them on side. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely. want them in, and you can learn from everyone. You know, like mentorship is yeah. so important. Like one of the a previous guests said, like they walk so you could run. Yeah. And it's so true. Like there's yeah. so much out there like that you can harness to speed up that career journey. Because yeah. otherwise you're fighting on your own, aren't you? hundred percent. Which is great. And like, that's a really lovely place to end. I feel like that's amazing and like super helpful for people out there trying to grow. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, we, we can't all do it by ourselves. But also so being multi-hyphenate, I feel like you do yeah. want to do it all. Don't you? I think there's a power in knowing how to do all the roles or all the things that you need on your team. Mm -hmm. And then once you know what it is that you need, you can then bring someone in Mm because you actually need to have an understanding of what that, that team member is. And ultimately, yes, it starts with you being able to do everything. So that's probably a better way to phrase it. Understand what you need to do. Understand how to be your own manager. Understand how to be your own agent. Understand how to be your own social media manager first. So you can understand the, the skill sets that you need to like, bring in in the future because mm-hmm. ultimately like elevation comes from scaling and um having a bigger better business yeah it's so true yeah. and, you, and you need you need the knowledge yeah because you know like even with agents like you need that understanding yeah. of what they're going to do for you mm-hmm. and also not losing the sight of the vision mm-hmm. and that bigger purpose out there because you mm-hmm. don't want that to change yeah so yeah really wise wise words yes. we need that and then so, you, you also will know when someone's not doing a good job yeah you get it's energy as well because <laughs> you've done it before you've yeah. been doing it so you're like oh wait hold on like i actually know how to do this <laughs> you can't bamboozle you can, me yeah exactly you know what's going on here um but thank you so much socials tell me where we can find you yes. i know you said you you do post some great stuff so oh thank you um we we want to hear how can we get in touch basically yes. and follow you nessa maria on everything actually yeah nessa maria on tiktok instagram twitter Amazing. linkedin yeah linkedin now, <laughs> I love, I, i'm a linkedin galley <laughs> that's where you can find me you can tell i've i've <laughs> I'm old. No, I'm, joking. No, I'm not. Old. I feel like LinkedIn is um is a, the grown space. I agree. 2024 yeah. is, is LinkedIn yeah. era. Yes, it's giving it's giving good good energy. I love LinkedIn. I think people bash it, but listen. Yeah. No, I agree. Great. I'm I'm an entrepreneur and like you investor. Know. And yeah. Like, you know what? I love it. I nerd out in it. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. yeah. <laughs>